You know, this is my first time eating here, and I hear that the steak is absolutely incredible. In fact, I just ordered one about 20 minutes ago, and it should be coming out of the kitchen at any moment. The view here is incredible. Highly recommend you visiting this place. Oh, here comes my steak. Uh, yeah, sir? Sure, I don't care if you cut it. What? What's this? What's this? Uh, ah! Live long. I'm talking. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Diner Podcast. This is episode 67, and we are the Sci-Fi Diner tonight, but we are at the bar. How you doing, Miles? I'm doing pretty good, Scott. And uh, by the way, we didn't introduce ourselves. My name's Scott Herzog. And hello, wherever you are, whenever you are, I am Miles P. McLaughlin, and we, speaking to you from Altoona, Pennsylvania. I know. He's, he's like in the remote recesses of coal mining town. I am. Um, it, uh, it's like, it's so cool. You know, here we are at the bar. We're going to be joined by two great people, both, uh, Kevin Dilmore and, uh, Dayton Ward will be joining us in a little bit just to chat a little bit about shore leave and give their thoughts about some of the news that we're going to be sharing. We haven't had these guys on in quite some time. No, it'll be good to talk to them and see them, uh, this weekend. Yeah. And you can tell that we're at a bar, you can hear music kind of filtering through the background, at least I can from my end. So I'm assuming that you, the listeners, will be able to hear that. What are you drinking, Miles? I am drinking um, Sprite. Well, that seems like a pretty sissy thing to get when you're at a bar. What would you well, be drinking if you're at a uh, real authentic bar? <clears throat> probably, um, probably an inappropriate adult beverage. An inappropriate adult beverage? An appropriate one. Oh, an appropriate one. I thought it was like inappropriate. And, I, and instantly I started thinking like sex on the beach, you know, uh, any of the inappropriately named like drinks. A, that sounds like a girly drink. I wouldn't it be does. drinking that. Oh, you wouldn't. Yeah. What would be the manly drink that you would be imbibing? Some kind of dark beer, probably. Dark beer. Mm-hmm. Right, there's a there's a brewery uh, near where we live. Uh, you familiar with Stout's Brewery? Uh, no, I haven't never heard back, of it. Back in Adam, at Adam's Towns, a little hole in the wall, you know, antique capital of the USA, basically. There's this brewery, and they make this chocolate beer, and it's just this heavy, and I can get about half of it down, and then just sits there for a while. But it is absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. I love it. That's what I'd be drinking if I were actually at a bar. I wonder what they're going to have at Shore Leave this year. I mean, we're going to be, I'm sure, hanging out with some of our author friends at the bar sometime throughout the weekend, and I wonder what they'll have there. Uh, 
Whatever it is, I'm sure Bar Trek will be serving something good. Yeah, it will be. It will be good. We'll have to ask them. We'll be inviting those guys on in just a little bit here. <laughs> but let's jump into the show just a little bit here. This show is kind of a free for all. We have some plans, and basically, this is what the menu reads like, as far as I know. I mean, and this is subject to change, but this is kind of where we're at. Assuming that my uh, notes scroll down. There we go. We are going to be chatting, chatting, we're going to be chatting a little bit. We're going to be chatting just a little bit about Shortly 32. Uh, We also have on the docket to discuss the 10 most disappointing female characters in science fiction. See see whether you agree with them or not. I know I don't agree with quite all of them. By the way, the list was compiled by females. So just so all you females out there that are listening know that this is not a male-centric list, which makes it a little bit maybe more interesting. I don't know. We reveal the winner of our Star Wars trivia contest. We have some listener feedback, some news on Doctor Who and Johnny Depp. Stargate Universe Goes Dark, Miles brings you this week in Star Trek with Summer Glau and some other news on Star Trek as far as when the release date's going to be. Oh, by the way, we have some news in the Green Hornet if we get to it. And lastly, Wayne and Dan from Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast give you their top five worst ways to die in season two of Fringe in the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So it's going to be a good menu tonight, um, and I imagine we're going to be all sorts of rabbit rabbit trails when Dilmore and uh, Dilmore and uh, Dayton join us. I'm going to f- swap this up a little bit. Why don't we Why don't we jump into the trivia, and then we'll get into some of our listener feedback, and then we'll move from there. So if you can kind of uh, scroll down the show notes, Miles, what was the trivia question? Now this is a trivia question from about four weeks ago. That was our last trivia question. What was the trivia question? Well, we asked last time, it was a Star Wars trivia question, uh, which of Vader's hands did Luke sever with his lightsaber? And the answer was? His right hand. His right hand. And the winner of that prize is going to get what when we announce him? They are going to get four smart pop books uh, in the hunt, Finding Serenity, uh, The Man from Krypton, which I have read, and thoughts about Anita Black's uh, Blake's uh, Vampire Hunter series. So awesome, four books. And we're going to be sending those books to who? We are sending them to Karen Carothers. Yeah. Or Karen C. is maybe a better way of... Uh, sorry about that. No, sorry. Butchering your last name. I think she's going to be at Shore Leave, so I'm hoping that we can kind of hook up with her and uh, meet her and chat with her just a little bit. That'd be it would cool. be awesome. So congratulations, Karen, and thank you for the others of you that we had a ton of good answers, a lot of you either looking it up or going by memory uh, that actually won this. And so we absolutely love having all you guys participate, all you girls participate as well, all you gals, I guess, participate as well, and uh, joining us for the trivia. And we'll be giving you a new trivia question next week when we interview Chase Masterson. You looking forward to that interview, Miles? I am looking very much uh, forward to that interview. Hey, did we talk to Chris from Subspace yet about that? Uh, we did, and he is uh, he is on. He is grateful that uh, he that he could be a part of it. He's jonesing for it. Good. Well, I'm glad about that. Well, let's jump into a little bit of show news and listener feedback before we take the break and invite uh, Dilmore and uh, Dayton on to the show. Just a little bit of feedback here. Um, Kevin Batchelder, who you've heard about, if you listen to the show long enough, you've heard him in and on. You're going to hear him a little bit later on with some. Hi, Scott. I wanted to let you know about a new sci-fi comedy web series called Solo. You can find it here, and the URL will be in the show notes, watchsolo.com. The first episode launches on 7-6, but I got a chance to preview the first three episodes, and they had some funny moments, so I'm checking it out as they release new episodes. thought you guys might also be interested, Kevin Batchelder. Now, I checked out just a little bit. 
The premise looks interesting. And by the way, Miles didn't get a chance to tell you this, but we are working at lining up an interview with the guy who did that. Oh, very good. So uh, kind of in the vein of trenches, a little bit in the vein of the co- the cabinets. And uh, so we do some of these episodes where we do some of these uh, more fan or more independent-driven films, and we like doing that. We got a uh, five-star review, uh, SA7 Fire. Uh, I just wanted to write in and say one of the things I really enjoy about this podcast is that they like to talk about a little of uh, everything. That's refreshing here that I look forward to hearing them reviewing shows like Eureka and Warehouse 13. And when they finally start, would be a great cause. I really enjoyed th- those shows, too. I'm also interested in seeing Haven. I'm also looking forward to catching up on the new Doctor Who. Haven't had a chance, but I hope this week to finally catch up on some Doctor Who web episodes. I also bought the Resident Evil movies because I was curious. Never had a chance to see them before, so I'm looking forward to trying them out. I guess those are my five for five this week. Yeah, he snuck a five for five. It's five, five and five there. Did that you see that? I did. That was very clever. So five stars, five and five. Hey, what more can you do? Thanks, uh, uh, Sa7Fire, I guess, um, mm-hmm. for uh, giving leaving us a review. And we would we would love to have everyone share a review. And uh, it's just great. Thank you so much. And uh, it's encouraging, and it's just great to hear from you guys as well. Kalis wrote in and said, he's sorry to say that Sir Patrick's bit of giving a bollocking to James Corden was a complete flop. Time marches on and the mind goes dim. So he felt that uh, that whole debacle with uh, James Corden and uh, Patrick Stewart that we kind of uh, put into the show a week or two ago, that he thought uh, James Corden came out looking a bit better, sounds like. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, each his own. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, of course, rooting for Patrick, but that's I'm biased. So. Mm, a little course. bit biased there. This came in. It was interesting. And um, I, this person asked to remain anonymous. And um, it's kind of a maybe a thought, maybe a, another way of looking at Shorely we, we don't often hear about because we're fans of Shorely. Um, and this is someone that's been attending since 1999. And basically his feedback talking about the friendliness of the con. You and I have kind of talked about how friendly we feel the con is. And uh, this person says this, I watched it change over the years, and it really felt a lot more fun and fan-oriented 10 years ago. Now it just seems more about raking in the money. Maybe it's friendly to celebrities, guests, and presenters, but I find the attitude towards paying customers gets worse each year. Indeed, if it wasn't for the big Meet the Author shindig on Friday nights, I'd be looking at getting a Saturday-only badge so I could catch up with friends and go to the Starfleet meeting, or just not going at all. So anyways, that's kind of the feedback. Uh, Miles, your thought on this? Well, I mean, I want to be sympathetic to their comments. Um, I mean, I, I was, I mean, yes, it is about making money. They have, they have to make money uh, to keep going. But I, I, I wonder what their their thoughts are on on all the charity efforts that uh, people at the convention are, are involved in. I wonder, you know, if, if they're if they're aware of that or um, if, if that might change their. Yeah, you mean? Did you say change their opinion? Yes. Yeah, uh, you kind of um, bro- you kind of broke up there just a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, um, but I, my now, granted, I've only been to one shore leave, and um, so I, I don't I don't have as much to necessarily gauge it by. But I was very satisfied with our experience last year. Ooh, very very cool, very cool. Well, and, and I had a good experience as well. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe the the more years we go, the better we'll be able to maybe make a judgment on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I. I I don't know. I don't know. 
anyways, uh, just a little bit about Shore Leave. For us, we have interviews lined up with Edwards James Olmos, Tori Higginson, Dominic Keating, Kevin Sorbo. We might be able to get a few other interviews in there as well, so we plan on bringing those to you. It's been a bit wonky this year. Typically, we can line up times, dates, and stuff like that. And none of the uh, interviews said, talk to us there, and we'll do an interview. It's kind of the way it mm-hmm. is. Uh, Kevin Sorbo wanted to do it maybe in a separate room, so that's going to be kind of cool. So it's a little bit quieter than some of the interviews we've done at Shore Leave. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's going to be good. It's oh, be yeah, good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, again, we have Chase Masterson next week, so if you have any questions you want us to ask her, please let us know. And any questions, by the way, for those four people as well, but we may not get them before Shore Leave because it's only two days away. And That's uh, coming up close. It's coming up fast. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, move into our first promo of the evening. And I thought since Wayne and Dan are doing their little Sci-Fi 5 at 5 at the end, that we would plug their fringe casting with Wayne and Dan's show. Uh, of course, they're not putting out a lot of episodes right now because the season's done. But if you are ordering season two on DVD and you want to hear their commentary in the episodes as they go along, this is a perfect thing to be listening to as you're working your way through the season two of Fringe. And they have some summer episodes, some news as it comes out in the con and uh, so forth. So it's an excellent podcast to check out. So here you go. Here's Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the Fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson. And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter. And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe, also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your Fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206-984-1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day. Uh, well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We have joining us at the Sci-Fi Diner bar tonight, uh, Kevin Dilmore. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm not used to getting top billing. So. Well, you know, our, our Dayton Ward. I can reverse that if you want, Kevin. I mean, that's not the big deal. Uh, let, it, let him enjoy it for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll all change. But no, awesome. And Miles, you're still with us, right? Or maybe not, Miles. <laughs> Miles decided he's vacating the premise. and uh, Should have introduced him first, huh? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's like, hell with you guys. We're out of here. So... <laughs> Call uh, me when there's real guests on. Yeah. Yeah. When we're, in, when we're interviewing, uh, uh, we have a few interviews lined up for shortly, but it's been kind of, uh, it's kind of wonky this year. We, we were able to schedule some of the bigger name guests a little bit further out. And now they're all saying, schedule it at the con. So, okay, whatever. Well, I mean, if, usually they're pretty amenable to uh, giving people time to interview like that. So I hope yeah. it works out. Yeah, me too. Tell you what, we're really excited about is next Tuesday's interview. We're interviewing Chase Masterson. There you go. And one of my, one of my, uh, actually, she was my very first profile that I wrote for uh, Star Trek Communicator. Well, awesome, awesome. And uh, and that did you get you got a chance to interview her then? 
Uh, I did. Uh, that's that's one of the ways that I was able to uh, get a gig with the magazine in the first place. So uh, tell Chase that uh, Kevin and Dayton say hello. Uh, we will do that. We will definitely do that. <laughs> After which he will say who? Yeah. Who? Who, who, yeah. who are you talking about? And then if you say Dayton and Kevin should go, oh, those guys I know. Yeah, right, right, right. Miles, are you <laughs> there yet? You're still registering as being here, but. I'll give him a call on his cell phone again and see if he uh, picks up. I thought the other person we could Skype bomb tonight is maybe uh, Keith, the candidate who's on. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could get Keith on there. I don't I think, you know, as long as his hair doesn't clog up the microphone or something. Well, yeah. Oh, man, he's probably trying to write something somewhere along the line. <laughs> on a so. bathroom stall wall. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Save it for the roast. Save it for the roast. No, yeah, well, he's not—he's not being roasted. <laughs> you got this year. all the good lines in the roast. No, he's—he's uh, he's not being roasted, but that doesn't mean we won't take a few shots at him. Just no. like you'll take shots at us. So. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, Miles is back. Yeah, I hear that. Yes, Miles. So, um, well, I remember at the roast, you guys took shots at each other. I mean, uh, it wasn't just uh, Keith getting it at all. I mean, uh, it was the chance to insult everybody. Yeah, basically you take your turn at everybody else that's roasting, and then you turn your target to the, the actual guest of honor, and then so everybody gets their shot at everybody else, you know. But most of your attention is, you know, for whoever the ghost, the guest of honor is. So, yeah. or yeah. dishonor as it, yeah, as it or dishonor, yeah. <laughs> Are you uh, getting your stuff uh, lined up for Friedman? Oh, we're all set. We've been set for a while. <laughs> We've been. It's just. It's just fine. Every time we get a, we get an idea, we we might run it past and see if it fits. But largely uh, done. Nice, nice. Well, awesome. Well, let's just fine tuning and tweaking now. Oh, awesome. Last year I missed the roast. I think it was there was a guest in, or we maybe had an interview somewhere. I know Miles got to it, but I didn't get to it. But I'll plan on coming this year. So, so well, last Miles year was, you know, is. Not going to come back this this year after uh, having to deal with it last year. I don't know. Miles is still, I think, on the fence. He's debating. Um, I wasn't the one being roasted, but dude, I, it was. It, I, I I felt a little, uh, you know, <laughs> bad afterwards. <laughs> did you Did you have to go take a shower after? Right. Yeah, he had to go clean up. He was like, "I'm out of <laughs> well, this place." As far as shore leave goes, that makes one. <laughs> yeah, he's the only person taking a shower that weekend. Um, you know, but, but so Miles, are you saying that the uh, the uh, the presentation was not something you're normally going to take in? I mean, it's not, it's not normally your type of entertainment. Um, honestly, no. But okay, uh, it's fair. You know, it's, yes, you know, fair. But I, but 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 I will say this, you guys are definitely you're doing it for a good cause. Uh, the Red Cross, right? Yep, yes. all the, we're raising money for the Red Cross, which is Shore Leave's official charity. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody who's participating in the roast as, as actual roasters and the roastee, we're all contributing money right off the, the get-go. And mm-hmm. then we're going to be soliciting donations, um, you know, throughout the evening. And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's either there's a cash bar that's going on. I think part of that goes toward the roast or the, the Red Cross, but I don't know what the percentage is or anything like right. that. And they're going to be soliciting donations from, you know, not not like a hard sell, not you know, not like they pass the collection plate and stand there, but um, you know, they're going to encourage people to to give, and it's a good it's a good cause. It's for it's for a good, you know, we're doing it for the right reasons. I think. Um, oh, absolutely. Fun. Oh yeah. And it looks like we it's packed a- the place last year, and we and we had to turn. Apparently, that as they were telling me, they had to turn people away because the room was at capacity. 
Oh, and wow. we were thinking we'd get 25, 50 people if we were lucky, you know. So, and now this year we, you know, the pressure's on to, to, to do better than we did last year, which shouldn't be that hard because it was the first year. And of course it had a lot of kinks in it. So, right. So, uh, and it looks like it's a good lineup for, uh, for the year besides, uh, uh, Dayton and me, uh, David Mack is going to be back on the panel. Uh, Keith DeCandigo, who was the, uh, uh, the subject of the roast last year is going to be sitting in the peanut gallery with the rest of us. Uh, Marco Palmieri will be back. Uh, Peter Dave will be back. Uh, Ilsa Bick, who is a Star Trek writer in her own right, is going to uh, uh, join us to uh, uh, add a little progesterone to the board. And uh, um, we've got <laughs> Bob and, Greenberg uh, is the roast ma- is the MC yes, or the roastmaster. Yeah, and, and I guess there's going to be uh, pre-recorded appearances. Uh, last year, there were a couple of uh, multimedia uh, appearances, including one by uh, Kirsten Beyer. But this year, the multimedias are going to be by Eric Bloom, who is the lead singer for Blue Oyster Cult, and Felicia Day. Right, right. I heard about Felicia. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in the, in the interest of full disclosure, um, Eric Bloom is also what? He's an uncle or a cousin to Bob Greenberger. Uh, he's, uh, okay. He, he is Bob Greenberger's uncle. That's wow. right, yeah. That's so a, we'll, that's an yeah. awesome connection. That's an awesome connection. Yeah, we, we found out about it purely by accident. I don't know how it happened, but um, you gotta I love nepotism. I don't know. I don't know how it came up, but it, uh, somehow uh, Bob and I were talking about it one time. Oh, we were just—I right. I was professing my fandom for the band, and uh, oh. and Bob thought that I was uh, just you know you know pulling his leg or something because he thought that you know I was fully aware that it was a family member in the band for him, and I truly wasn't. And then it turned out that uh, the um, they were touring around and ended up in Kansas City, and Bob set us up with tickets to the show, and we got a chance to uh, to meet his Uncle Eric after the show, so that was pretty cool. Oh, so I can't, you know, someone's going to stand up there and go, cowbell! Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was the one time Bob came through for us, so... Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what are you guys going to be uh, drinking at the bar? Oh, I can tell you what I won't be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and what won't you be drinking? He will, he will not I'll, be drinking Jägermeister. Uh, <laughs> But as as I call it, Mr. Jägermeister, sir. <laughs> Why does that do a number on you? Uh, yeah, I, I allowed it to do a number on me a couple of shore leaves back, and uh, <laughs> been able to. I still, got the, I still got the pitches <laughs> <laughs> and the video and and wow. the goat's phone number. <laughs> oh no! But, uh, no, it's uh, yeah. The, the shore leave bar can uh, get fairly raucous with the uh, the people who are attending the convention. But I laid pretty low on it last year, so I probably will do the same again this year. Yeah, so now, I heard. Uh, Go ahead. I heard uh, Richard White uh, affectionately called uh, Bar Trek. I, well, I, it's probably true. It, yeah, there's probably an element of truth to that. What happens is after the you know after the activities are done for the day and on on Friday night, Saturday night, the writer guests you know who we all know each other, and this is the one time a year or one of the few times a year that we that, that so many of us can get together in the same spot for a while. So we just go to the bar and you know we BS or we catch up or sometimes we talk shop it depends on who's there um you know we've we've had entire story discussions hatched out at the bar yeah so it um it, it it's part let your hair down part informal you know jaw jaw jacking about the job that kind of thing but it's it's a lot of fun and sometimes you know a few a few people who shall go nameless you know they 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 overindulge get a liver transplant you know and then <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah. let me 
Kevin, Kevin, that was the first time I think I've ever seen Kevin uh, uh, take on more than he could handle there. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think he had a lot. I think he just wasn't ready for what he did drink. I was not ready for what I drank. And, he was uh, trying to impress some galley there. And, nah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hey, even the fat kid wearing a Babylon 5 t-shirt gets a good cut once in a while. <laughs> nice. So anyway, these kids, they can't handle their liquor. So. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, we saw, uh, we saw, uh, we saw, uh, David, we saw, uh, Mr. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Had to handle his too, or didn't not handle his so much, but. Yeah, it's a far point this, back in February. Um, yeah, he was hurting. Yeah, we saw him Saturday morning and we said, we said, hey, he goes, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> and he goes, I'm too hungover. Well, I, you know, I don't know if it's any indication, but you know, last shore leave, he, he got so far gone Friday night and early Saturday morning, he didn't even show up for panels that he was on until like two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, man. And then when he showed up, he still like, you know, he still looked like death on a Triscuit. <laughs> I mean, it was, he was, he was not having a good day. And I think he took it, I think he took it pretty easy Saturday night. I'm pretty sure he didn't drink anything stronger than uh, Sprite. I think that's <laughs> nice. correct. Oh man! Well, you know he's isn't he? He's kind of in charge of the roast this year, isn't he? Yeah, he's taken on the role of uh, I guess you could call up the producer. He's maybe I don't know if you call him the director, but he's definitely the producer, and he's he's overseeing every aspect of the roast, including you know communicating with the folks who handle all the the stuff on the side, like sound and lighting and cameras. And, uh, you know, like I said, last year was a learning experience for everybody, including the camera crew and the tech crew. And apparently they've applied, you know, lessons learned. And it's uh, the game has stepped up a notch this year, I think. I mean, I thought it came off pretty well last year, considering, you know, us bunch of amateurs have never done anything like this before. But uh, I think the, the bar has been set a little higher this year. So it should be a lot of fun. We're, and plus, we all learn, you know, on how to do things a little better as far as our own presentations and things like that. So, I mean, we can all be funny. We just maybe not necessarily know how to present ourselves in that format. <laughs> so <laughs> last year was last year was a learning experience for everybody. Right. So, but most of the same people are back, with, you know, on the, on the stage. So, we'll, we'll, I mean, you know, if we screw it up this year, you probably won't see us next year. Yeah. Right, right, right. They'll replace us with somebody who's funny. Right, yeah, right. Fool right. me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right, yeah. right. Don't let that Dillmore guy up there. Yeah. I did love I'll, I'll, be back, I'll be back doing donkey shows in Mexico. <laughs> oh, man. Again? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the question is, Dillmore, are you bringing your bacon-flavored gum this year? Yes. I have uh, I have bacon flavored gum. I have uh, courtesy of uh, of thinkgeek.com, um, and I believe uh, you know there's the Boston baked beans. I have the uh, bacon baked beans as well, and bacon, oh, and, and, and bacon mints. Nice. And Dayton, you're rooming with this guy, right? I'm bringing a field protective mask. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did bring the bacon gum last year, and I you know I will will not. Um, make you suffer through the details of just how many foul things I've had in my mouth, but that does rank among the foulest. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I just read. That's my one memory of you from last short life. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I could make a great impression. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah oh. It tasted bad, and he knows what he's talking about because he ate lunch in a public school. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, was the, I think I think the thing that that was even more foul than the actual taste was the breath that it left me with. Um, but that was uh, it was a real treat to be able to um, go up and speak to people like Alan Gibson and Scott Pearson with the bacon gum breath. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll make sure and do that again next year. Right, this well, time. well, we look forward to that. 
Thank breath you. of death. <laughs> so uh, what, you, what else are you guys looking forward to this year? We obviously mentioned the roast and uh, the bar, but um, what other things? Uh, are you on any panels or anything that you're looking forward to? Uh, we actually have a pretty decent range of panels. I don't believe that we are on any for Friday, given that uh, a lot of our time is going to be toward making sure that we're good for the roast. But uh, between the two of us, we're on a few on Saturday and Sunday. Right. I was going to say I got four on Saturday, which is, you know, that's a lot, that's, that's more than I normally get. So why don't, why don't so. you tell us which ones you're on, and I'll tell you which ones. I'll fill in the blanks on the ones that, that I'm in that you're not. I was going to say, yeah, on top of that, I don't, there's only a couple of those that you and I are on the same panels. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, on Friday night, I've got the roast from 7 to 9, and then from 10 to midnight, you know, all of the writer guests will be out signing books and saying hi to... Is that, that's what they call meet the authors night, Yeah, right? meet the pros. Uh-huh. Meet the pros. So, um, on Saturday, I've got uh, a panel with Alan Gibson called Writing Fiction at Stupidly Short Lengths. Uh, basically, we're going to talk about writing flash fiction, you know, 700 words, 1,000 words. And we're even going to talk about doing stuff that's shorter. Like, you know, there's a there's a thing on Twitter now called Twitter Fic where people try to write whole stories inside the 140-byte window that Twitter offers you. So um, I actually won a contest doing that just Very for cool. just for just for giggles um, <clears throat> from let's see later. And then I've got the what they're doing, the pocket books preview panel, which is basically a look at pocket books. Start schedule for the next 12 to 18 months. We're going to take a look all the way out to the end of 2011. Uh, and then uh, I'm doing a I'm doing a panel with Kevin and Dave Mack and Marco Palmieri about Star Trek Vanguard. You know the novels only series. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about what's coming up next in that series because we got two books coming out for that series next year. Okay. Um, and one will follow shortly thereafter in 2012. So, um, you know we're we're heating up the Vanguard bit a little bit. And then uh, I've got another panel with Keith and David and Marco later in the day uh, about the Typhon Pack miniseries. You know, that's going to kick off in the fall, which is, you know, the post-Destiny storyline in the next-gen era. Um, what do you got on Saturday, Kevin? Saturday, the only thing that I have that you don't is a panel called Superhero, Superheroes from Comics to film and TV. Um, it's something that I, you know, I'm definitely coming in this at amateur status, but it has been a panel I've been a part of for the past two or three years with Dave Gallanter and Bob Greenberger. I believe we're going to be joined by a couple other people as well. Um, uh, Alan Kistler, I think, is going to be on it. Uh, there, I, I think there's five or six writers and, uh, um, you know, quote-unquote authorities that are going to be on that uh, that panel. So did we just lose Miles? Yeah, we lost Miles. You can tell it like, got quiet in the background there. Oh, he's back again. He's back again. So um, but that's the only no, that's the only panel I've got on uh, on Saturday that you don't have. No, Greenberger is a huge comic fan, isn't he? The he's a Batman guru. Uh, he well, is, not just but that, but I mean, he's he's a long time association. He's a, he has a long time association in the comics industry as a professional. I mean, he worked for DC for years. Yeah. and still does on a freelance basis. Wow. He was involved in the Star Trek comic for DC. In fact, I was yeah. reading it as a fan when he was editing it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and then Sunday, um, we've got, uh, I think, is it just the one panel for us? I just, Sunday? I just have the one. I've got a pan, we've got, we got a panel about the 4400. Okay. Um, you know, the show that, was, um, we're, well, mostly the, it's the books that came out after the show went off the air that Pocket Books published. Um, Dave, Mac, Greg Cox, Kevin, and myself were involved in that effort. Um, we did four books between the, between the four of us, we did four books 
Um, Kevin and I wrote one, Greg Cox wrote two, and Dave Mack wrote the last one in the, sh- in the series that basically tied off all the dangling plot threads from when the show went off the air. Okay. Now, do you, get a, guess, do you get a lot of viewers of the show that come to them? Are you expecting it to be about the show? or You know, I don't know because it's the first time that I'm doing a panel on something that's not Star Trek um, as far as the book stuff are concerned. Um, this is, you know, 4400 was the first time Kevin and I did a media tie-in project that wasn't Star Trek. So it's a different kind of audience. I mean, we did a 4400 panel a couple of years ago at Shore Leave, and I think – there were four people like, that were at the panel, and three of them were just sitting there because it was a quiet place to eat breakfast. <laughs> oh, nice. That is, that is so, true. Nice. You know, I don't, I don't know what kind of audience will it, but I mean, now that the show has gone off the air and it's had, you know, a chance to, you know, kind of be in reruns or on DVD for a while, and the books have been out for a while, we might, we might see some diehards. Right, right. I mean, it's never going to have the cult status that, uh, for, you know, Firefly or something like that has, but. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask gonna, you. I was going to ask you if there is a cult following for forty five. I'm sure there's a there's a small following because I mean they they talk on message boards and things like that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, all those actors have since gone. Most of the actors have since gone on to do something else. So, um, you know, they're all busy working. If you know, fortunately, so I don't. I you know, the chances of them coming back to do a reunion movie or or anything like that are probably pretty slim. So, are we going to get a few more uh, forty four hundred uh, books? I haven't heard anything, but I'm not betting on it, um, only because most tie-in lines tend not to survive after whatever property they're based on goes out of active production. Like, you know, most TV series that had tie-in lines, they dry up after the show goes off the air because okay. um, there's just nothing there to keep it alive, I guess. I mean, the interest wanes. I mean, Star Trek is very much the exception to that rule. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, even its, even its you know, glory days – were you know several years ago, and you know the, the the line has pared down a little bit because interest just waned for a while. Now with the new movie, who knows? Right, you know true. we might start ramping up again. But publishing moves compared to compared to TV and film and and, and other media. I mean, book publishing moves so slow. You know, it's always like they're recorrecting their course. You know, they're always a few moves behind. Unfortunately, and that's just the nature of the business. Right. So how how I mean how how soon do you know? Like so, the movie came out what last year. And uh, how, how soon does do do books uh, follow the television and movie, you know, interest? Uh, well, it, it it all depends on what the licensor will allow, and you know what they want to see, and what they're willing to let tie-in licensees do. And you know, right now, um, Bad Robot is kind of keeping their cards close to the vest as far as what they want to do with the next movie. So, planning tie-in books that lead out of the of the of the first movie. You know, of course, uh, everybody knows now that there were four books that were on the publishing schedule that were based on the new Star Trek movie that got pulled from the schedule. You know, at, at, at in the in the publishing world, it was very much last minute. I mean, you know, everybody else can stop on a dime and turn direction, but you know, for publishing, it was the equivalent of. A man going overboard on an aircraft carrier, and somebody said, "Hey, turn this thing around." I mean, it's it's it just doesn't work that way in publishing. So, um, pocketbooks had to kind of scramble a little bit to 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 deal with that hole in their schedule. So, um, as far as I know, right now, Pocket is publishing. They've got three books on their schedule that are kind of set as prequels to the movie. They're set while the characters at the academy, and they're aimed at a younger audience, like you know, young adult audience. Okay, and but nothing on the main. You know, when I say adult, I mean you know, grown-up reader line. Right. Nothing right. yet. Now, there's I know there's pitches in you know in hand in editors you know in editors inboxes because I sent one. <laughs> so right. I, I'm waiting to hear back, but you know my editor is out on maternity leave, so 
I probably won't hear anything until she comes back. No, and, and I don't, yeah, and, and that is not at all to be reflected, uh, or, I mean, to suggest any interest or lack thereof on the part of, uh, anybody that's oh, involved in this. Uh, it's just, right now, it's just timing. It, yeah. They want, I mean, licensees are chomping at, or champing at the bit to get on board with CBS and Paramount and tie into the new Star Trek movie. Right. Um, but they, you know, there's certain, they, they just, you know, for whatever reason, they they're they're going to play their cards a little closer to the vest for right now, and at least until a script is written. And then, you know, once once uh, once a script is ready, and they know what they want to do with the second movie, then you might see some some interesting uh, synergy between you know Bad Robot and Paramount, CBS, and licensees right. like comics and video games, and even the books. Hopefully, so we uh, spoke with Richard White. He suggested that um, maybe the reason why they pulled the plug on that was because. So make sure that what was written in the books wouldn't conflict with the, the next movie that's coming. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think that's something that, that you could easily, or it, it would be kind of a, a, a quick or easy thing to suggest. I don't know that it's that it's quite that cut and dried. I think that when you look at how many tickets, or how you know, how many people actually saw uh, Star Trek in theaters, let alone how many now have seen it on DVD, compared to the percentage of people who follow Star Trek in its printed forms—not just novels, but comics or anything—the uh, the percentage of that is is you know, it's, I don't even less than one percent. I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's it's like less than one percent of the lowest rated episode of the lowest rated television series. Yeah, I, I mean. So. The, and, and it's just not on their radar. I mean, I think that, uh, um, and even if there were, you know, a united fanboy front of all the novel readers to boycott a movie that struck too close to the plot line of a book, then that would affect their bottom line box office receipts about squat point nada. Right. Right. So it's not maybe it's maybe that maybe that's not so much a case as we might maybe think. I, yeah, I think that that it's it's quick to read into the situation that oh it must be this or it must be that. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's probably uh, uh, there's there's just a lot more going on besides the uh, we don't. I mean, when you consider just over the course of of more than forty years, how many plot lines there have been written for not just uh, original series characters but every permutation of Star Trek, you are going to run into stories that seem awfully familiar. Familiar to each other, right. and or or differ by just a few plot points. Uh, there's there's things that we saw in the movie that uh, that felt like things we had seen before, but uh, you know, in the course of just watching it, you sure don't feel like it. You're just enjoying the ride. I, it's there's I'm sure a lot of different reasons, and I can tell you that I'm absolutely not privy to what those reasons are. But uh, I I think that them pulling the plug on books simply because they're afraid it might cut into what somebody wants to do at a screenplay a couple of years down the road. Uh, it, it, there's, I can't imagine that was the precipitating factor. Hmm. Not to disagree with Richard, I mean, because I certainly uh, you know respect him, but uh, uh, I, I don't know that I would jump to that right away. Well, no, it's, it's great to get a uh, counterbalance or a counter opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know. It's all conjecture anyway, so... But, but it's not because you know it's not because Paramount or Pocket wanted to screw with the fans, right? So you know, let's put the fanboy rumor to rest. You right? Know? Oh, that's, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, everyone stands to go home with money in their pocket on something like that, and uh, and they just, I mean, I I I don't know who you know uh, threw the ball onto the court, but I can tell you that uh, um, that Pocket Books uh, certainly uh, would be 
in a position to uh, not make, you know, I mean, they're the ones with the most skin in the game to, to borrow the overused phrase. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's, and that's just the, the difficult situation. Right. Well, now, so at the con, do you guys get to interact with many of your guests or do you get to get, do you be, I mean, you sound pretty busy on Saturday and you have your own signing tables you sit at. Do you get to go and listen to any of the guests speak, the, the media guests or, or do you even care? Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. But I mean, you know, you don't, a lot of times you're scheduled opposite something else that you want to go check out. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the thing about conventions like Shore Leave is they have that multi-track programming. So you can't be everywhere. You just kind of, you got to pick and choose what you want to go do. And, you know, my, the, on, like on, for me on Saturday, my panels are scattered enough that I've got an hour here, two hours there, an hour here to, to check out other things in the convention. Wow. So, you know, because I want to go to the dealer's room and spend money and I want to, you know, I want to get some lunch or I want to go hang out and talk to some people and catch up. So, and that's busy Saturday. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be busy. And, and that's, uh, it's always fun for us to, uh, catch up with people we know and also get a chance to meet some fans and readers. Um, you know, because of my, opportunities to talk to people through the journalism side of my writing. I never want to be the guy who steps in the front of the line or takes up a seat in front of someone I might have an opportunity to speak to in other avenues of my writing that a a person who's paying money to attend the convention might not have that same chance. Does Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, was, I mean, I'm not going to uh, take a seat in the front row to watch, uh, um, you know, William Shatner speak when I might have a legitimate reason to speak to him one on one myself for a uh, story coming down the road. I mean, that said, I think I'm really looking forward to, to uh, getting something signed by Catherine Hicks. Um, right. I mean, she's she's a really cool guest and uh, and somebody that I've never seen appear at a convention and uh, and the reasons that I want to see her are, are, are for projects that she did totally apart from Star Trek 4. And what projects gonna, would they be? I am a big fan of a movie that barely many people even saw, let alone remember, of uh, um, Bill Murray's version of The Razor's Edge uh, that came out in 83 and uh, with uh, Stacey Keach and uh, Catherine, or James Keach, I'm sorry, and Catherine Hicks and um, uh, there's somebody else who's in it that I'm losing. I'm losing my uh, Denholm Elliott was in it, but uh, I just really liked that movie and I I loved her performance in it. So it's it's just going to be cool to throw a couple of fanboy questions about that. Um, I I watched Seventh Heaven, you know, so uh, um, I know, and that was just something that I watched with my daughter. So those are the things that I associate with her uh, more quickly than than I do Star Trek Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dayton. You know, I'm, I've seen most of the guests before, except for Eddie Almost. I have not uh, had a chance to see him at a convention before. I mean, I saw him at Comic-Con last year, but, I mean, there was no way I was getting within 20 feet of him. So uh, I, I actually saw him uh, as part of the um, that uh, the one – well, I saw two panels at Comic-Con, but the one that I legitimately saw um, was for uh, The Plan and Caprica. And I will tell you that there are few guests – who I think, you know, with, you know, the, the A-list status that uh, Edward James almost would have at a convention who are as gracious and open to fans. Uh, the shore leave people are going to just embrace this guy. At, uh, at Comic-Con, he was 
so open and welcoming of, of fan contact and so thankful, knowing full well that the opportunities that he's had in his career might not have come along if it wasn't for the support of, uh, of fans of Battlestar. It was just, he was great to see. So he's absolutely somebody I'd recommend yeah. that you sit in and, and, uh, and check out if you have a chance. Yeah. Hey, someone, and, you know, go ahead. Someone that we're looking forward to. Say, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're, and if you're an autograph hound, you know, a $30 autograph from Edward James almost is, um, unheard of. Oh yeah. So, um, if you're going to get one, this is the weekend to get one because he normally commands at least double that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, depending on the show. Yeah. yeah. And how much do you charge for an autograph usually? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Know. I trade I trade my autographs for sandwiches. Oh right 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 right. <laughs> I can't oh, imagine man. anybody actually walking up to me and wanting to buy my autograph though. That would. I, I, think think freak did, you out. I think we've been asked maybe once or twice if we charge for autographs, and it, 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 I mean it's that's very gracious of them to think that <laughs> we yeah, hold right. ourselves in such esteem that we need to charge. <laughs> I usually um, say something like, you know, the 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 autograph is uh, eight bucks and the book is free, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that that works too, right? Exactly. I get a lot of weird looks when I say stuff like that. You know, <laughs> take the book and leave. Yeah, exactly. Well, screw it. Yeah. I don't need the sign. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, the ones that always you know, the ones that always get me are the ones who want you to sign the book, but they don't want you to personalize it. You know, they're just like, oh, I just put a signature in there. You know, so I, I get a little leery. It's like, well, I mean, are you going to try to copy my signature and put it on a check or something, or are you going <laughs> to think you're going to sell it, make a mint on eBay, or you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I once told a guy who was uh, who asked me not to personalize it that uh, um, you know, and and he said. I, said, well, so this is something that I should just make it out to eBay. He says, well, no, don't do that, but I am going to put it on there. I said, you're going to put it on there? He says, well, yeah, because it makes the book more valuable. I said, well, actually, I'm defacing the book, and it makes it less valuable. (laughs) And he stopped and said, really? (laughs) 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 Yeah, move on. But uh, but, but I think, I mean, Katie Sackhoff, um, I I have yet to be at a convention uh, where she's at besides Comic-Con, so I'm looking forward to seeing her. Um, Sorbo, I bet, is a great guest. Um, uh, Actually, Dominic Keating was a guest um, or had attended a uh, Starfest at the same time we were um, there in uh, in Denver. And uh, Tori Higginson, I'm not a Stargate person, so I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm, I'm huge. I'm huge into her, so. I mean, in the in the Stargate, but well, if the convention definitely has <laughs> <laughs> clarify that, Scott. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you know, not, nothing like making it obvious, right? Well, I mean, Shirley <laughs> definitely does have a large Stargate fan contingent, so yeah. she'll be very much welcome there. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys watched any of the Stargate Universe series that's been out? I tried to watch the pilot, and oh, I just didn't right. get into it. That's right, you did. That's right. Well, yeah, I tried. Tried. Just wasn't my thing. I mean, I, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not that much of an Atlantis fan, but I really, I do enjoy SG1. Right. You know, I still, I have all ten seasons of SG1 on DVD, but I just, uh, I, I just, I never seem to get into Atlantis the way I did, you know, other spinoffs of other shows that I like. So, right. and then uh, Universe, it just didn't catch on with me at all. Right. So. Right. Well, I know that they're, they're supposedly making it darker, and they're going to be bringing in some of the Atlantis personnel. It sounds like, so we'll see how that happens. But. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't have anything. I mean, I and the thing is, I really wanted to like it because I like 
the guy who's the lead actor. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but um, uh, is that Robert? Robert? Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I Miles, you know, uh, Robert who? Um, I don't know his name. Yeah, so you, I'm a, you failed yeah. me I've for the him. last time. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in other stuff, and I, you know, I mean, so. I mean, I think he was Jack Bauer's buddy in, in 24 and got offed, you know, like so many other Jack Bauer buddies. But uh, I just, you know, I just didn't, uh, it didn't grab me like other shows did. So. Did you watch the final season of 24? I watched all seasons of 24. I was there from day one. See, I gave up. Robert at... Carlyle. Oh, there you go. That's Robert it. Carlyle. There you go. Robert Carlyle. Thank you, Internets. Yeah, thank you, IMDb. Yeah, I was you there from friend. day one for 24. So Awesome. Awesome. And, uh. Uh, Kevin, have you watched any of the Stargate franchise? I have not. Um, I probably, I think we've talked about that uh, yeah, before though. Uh, I have, I probably watch fewer genre shows on TV than uh, about anybody who does what I do. Right. Right. Well, uh, do you, do you guys watch Doctor Who at all? You're not Who fans either? No, I'm, I am a Who fan. I just, I'm behind because they oh. haven't been showing the, the most recent stuff over here. I mean, I don't. This I don't get a. Cha- I don't get the channel that shows it. Like, isn't it on BBC America? Oh yes, it is on BBC I, America. That's right. Yeah, see, I don't get BBC America. So I. It used to be on. You know, they ran. They ran stuff on the Sci Fi Channel. Right. Or excuse me, Sci Fi. Um, <laughs> or Sifi or whatever the heck it is now. The but uh, you know, they, they haven't. They, I know they haven't run the new. The new Doctor, the the newest guy. That's the Doctor. Um, they haven't run that on Sifi, and I don't get BBC America. So. Uh, I'm behind as far as seeing the newest Doctor. Right. And, but, and I uh, have I, not seen any of them. The closest I've gotten is Torchwood. Well, I mean, I really liked, you know, I liked Christopher Eccleston's, and, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think I prefer him, I preferred him to the, to, uh, uh, to David Tennant, but I mean, not to say that David Tennant did a bad job at all. I don't, I think he did great. I just, I, I happen to like the way Eccleston played it. Right. So, right. um, and I haven't had a chance to see this new kid, so. Um, but I'm looking forward to you know when they finally run it on sci- on sci-fi, I'll I'll catch it. But I mean, my first doctor was Tom Baker, so he's still he's still my guy. Right, right. So what? So that's, what you- that's what I jumped into. I, I mean, the first time I ever saw it, it was uh, traveling with my dad, who was working in Duluth, Minnesota, and I just happened to turn on. PBS one afternoon while he was at work and I was kind of stuck at the apartment and I uh, saw an episode of Deadly Assassin and thought it was pretty damn cool and so that's I mean I'm, I'm pretty steeped in Tom Baker era and a little bit of Peter Davison and that's about where my Doctor Who runs out. Yeah. So uh, what do you think of the uh, the story that's out there that Russell T Davies is of course transforming Doctor Who into the big screen and they're looking at casting Johnny Depp as Doctor Who. I heard that was just a rumor. I heard there was really no truth to that. Yeah, what does it say here? Longtime producer, uh, he said they're, they definitely moved into the beginning of the big, big screen. And what does it say here? Um, the trustworthy tour.com did some digging of its own, reaching out to studio sources who said that the casting of Johnny Depp as Doctor for 2012 film is confirmed. But I don't is know. it confirmed, really? That's what tour.com is oh, saying. Oh, tour.com. I don't know, I mean, I don't know, I don't saying, know how, I don't not, how accurate that is. I guess if anybody's going to pull something like that off, it would you'd think Johnny Depp would be right up there in the list of candidates. But I, I mean, to me, the Doctor is kind of like James Bond. You know, the guy the guy should have a natural accent that he was born with, yeah. <laughs> or, or grew up and learned to talk naturally. I don't I don't know. I think it should be a Brit a, a, a Brit that plays the Doctor. But I I I'm 
I'm uh, hard pressed to give you a name, you know, as far as who would be that person. I guess my so, problem with Depp is that I, when I when I think of Depp, all I'm thinking is like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Well, but, you know, and, if, you, uh, if you take a look at his resume, I mean, he is a a, a formidable actor. I mean, he he does he definitely has a gift for inhabiting a role. <laughs> You know, including you know, we be it an eccentric role or you know, just everyday Joe. But I think if 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 anybody of his generation is going to pull it off, it'll be him. Um, as far as the now, the more important question is who do you get to play the master? Ooh. You know, and, and my first guess, my first vote went to Alan Rickman. Oh yes, mm. but that's a great idea. And, and, and to me, cast a heavy, cast a well-known guy as the villain, then you can cast anybody. You know, <laughs> pull a super, pull a book, pull a play out of the Superman handbook. You know, cast well-known uh, actors to to prop up a new uh, a nobody or, you know, or a new name, and go from there. Right. I, I've never shied away from a project that Johnny Depp has been in. Um, I have I've only seen. The first of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, but I was very happy with Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, um, is somebody breaking into Miles' car or what? I know. Whoop, 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 whoop. No, I just, had to, I just had to step outside. Oh, um, <laughs> he he stepped outside for a smoke. <laughs> well, my but, laptop uh, is uh, running out of uh, electricity, so I had to find an outlet. <laughs> Are you on a stakeout? Yeah, he's, he's, so he's like he's walking up to the neighbors and saying, "Hey, you know, do you care if I plug into your outlet?" So, yeah, I tried I tried that line once and it got me an ankle bracelet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, um, but I, there was talk at one point in time, and I was under the impression that this was still happening that Johnny Depp was going to play Barnabas Collins in a Dark Shadows film, and I would follow him to that project. I, I mean, I'm a, a moderate. Dark Shadows fan. Um, I thought Ben Cross did a good job trying to do, you know, with what he had to work with, given that uh, the uh, Dark Shadows revival on TV, I didn't think was was quite what I wanted it to be. But Johnny, if you tell me that Johnny Depp's in as Doctor Who, what that would, the only thing I would offer is that that will bring a great many people who are Johnny Depp fans to discover Doctor Who and potentially become fans. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I'm not against the notion at all. I just I'm I'm curious to see what the Doctor Who fandom at large would think about that. Yeah, and I'm not convinced um, I, that they would be uh, all that thrilled. Yeah, but I mean, I, again, I'm I'm hard pressed to think of a British actor who would have that sort of international appeal. Right. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that that's the right that's the requisite age. I mean, you can I can think of older actors and actresses, but I, I mean, I'm thinking of you know somebody in that late 30s, early 40s time frame who I don't can't think of anybody off the top of my head and i'm sure there's probably somebody i'm just walking right past but you know it'd um, be interesting to see what they would do because of the way doctor who has been set up with you know this being the 11th doctor and their incarnations of it i mean how do you work that into the uh this this series mythology do you have a 12th is this a 12th doctor or this is a or this is a doctor outside well i'm sure mythology? they'll come up with some be, I, I thought I don't follow it that closely, but didn't wasn't there a storyline that that already dealt with that to some degree? Where you know they said that he might be able to surpass twelve generations. I, I mean, and do we and has it been established with, without a doubt that William Hartnell's Doctor was the first generation of that Doctor? Well, I don't That's know. That's what I wondered. And I, don't I always, know. yeah. I, I mean, I don't. You know, now is it so? Is it twelve regenerations for thirteen different personas total, or is it twelve personas total? Oh, I don't know. They're at the, yeah, they're, the they're, 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 at, they're at the eleventh doctor is what it's called. They're at the eleventh doctor, right. so that's ten regenerations after the first guy played him. Right. So, so that my so my question is: Does he have one more, or does he have two more? You know, 
Um, I don't know. I mean, they'll come up with something. They'll the writers will come up with some mechanism to enhance, you know, to extend his life uh, if need be. I mean, if if the character is that popular and the series continues to be popular, they'll find a way around it. Right. And so they're going to have to. So I'm, of course, you know, when they thought about this, you know, back 40 years ago, you know, it's kind of like the way Star Trek was. It's like, ah, we won't be. Who cares? <laughs> we'll be off the air in a year. Yeah, you know, and, it's, and I would imagine that if it if it had uh, you know struck gold like uh, Gunsmoke or something, they would have figured out how to get that sixth year into the mission. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I I have full confidence in the writing staff, and you know they'll come up with something to to get over, to get around that. Right, right. So right, the Who fans will demand it. The Whovians will demand it. They will. They will. They will indeed. Um, well, I. Anything about anything? Anything else about? We kind of got sidetracked here, but any other things about short leave you want to talk about? If not, we have um, a little bit of Star Trek news you want to talk about. But well, I, yeah, I mean, I can do a little a little short leave news, a little Star Trek news, and I won't try to get too. I won't. I won't take too long getting geeky, but I'll have um, all three of the new Star Trek ornaments for 2010 um, at my short leave table. If anybody wants to come check it out, they'll hit stores on Saturday across the country at uh, Hallmark Gold Crown. Oh, there you go. There you go. And will you be selling? You won't be selling them. They'll just be there. No, I won't be selling them, but I'll be showing them off. I was on the team that uh, that developed all three of them, so uh, we'll have a new uh, 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 Enterprise from the uh, uh, movie from last year. We'll have a, uh, a Captain Kirk ornament, and then there's uh, an Amok Time ornament that shows Kirk and Spock fighting it out uh, with then the uh, and it's going to play the music that's from. The show. I mean, that, yes. that fight music that everybody loves. Well, that'll be awesome. It's actually a pretty fun little ornament. <laughs> so, that's awesome. So, but, uh, but yeah, so it'll be, and then, uh, all the other, uh, pop culture stuff. If, uh, um, people want to check it out, they can just go to hallmark.com slash keepsakes, plural, and, uh, everything's online there. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Miles, uh, are you still there? Still here. Did you find an outlet? I did. Oh, good, good. Hey, whose house did, <laughs> did you break you, into? Did you shove that homeless guy aside so he can plug into the wall? Or? Right, right. <laughs> that, that, that's what I, exactly what I did. Well, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Miles, why don't you take us into our twist this week in Star Trek? This week in Star Trek, Summer Glau's favorite sci-fi show was Star Trek The Next Generation. We love Summer Glau and such sci-fi series as Angel, Firefly, and the Sierra Connor Chronicles. But what sci-fi does Glau herself love? She recently revealed that her favorite all-time sci-fi series, the one she'd uh, off to a new friend letting them see how awesomely sci-fi really is, is Star Trek Next The show I really grew up on was Star Trek Next Gen, she said. That was the show I watched with my parents, that I talked them into letting me stay up to watch. I got to meet Marina Sirius last year, which was a really special moment for me. I grew up idolizing. As for which sci-fi icon she most liked to meet, now that she's uh, come face-to-face with Sirius, Glau remains focused on Trek. If I had to say one person, I guess it would be William Shatner. Yeah, well, cool. That's awesome. I didn't know she was a Trekkie. I didn't either. It, did anybody quiz her? Yeah, we should have. We should have. <laughs> like, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, see, you could quiz me now because, like, I'm into, like, I'm almost through season two. So... I've never watched the next generation. 
you, you're oh, you're just me. now? No, see, see here's anything? the problem. And we, we had this discussion last time. I, uh, I watched all 12 movies, 11 movies, I guess. I watched all 11 movies, right? And I can't even get the numbers straight. But I never really watched the um, – I watched episodes here and there, but I never was a fan in that I watched like every single episode. So I I began the journey about a month and a half ago of going through the next generation, and I am one disc away from being through season two. Cool. So. Wow, boy, and, and man, are you about to get gut punched? Oh, okay. I know because well, I just got to the episode where the uh, where the Borg, the first episode with the Borg. So well, I'm just saying, you know, it's like if you're if you're hoping for like a real pulse pounding cliffhanger episode to end your season two, <laughs> <laughs> don't get your hopes up. You know, as I'm saying. Well, the last oh, man, yeah, you're, you're oh, dude, that's gonna be, that's, Season one had a sucky cliffhanger too. So what am I? Oh, talking you about? ain't seen nothing yet, sir. You're gonna think that's high art, buddy. <laughs> oh man, you're, 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 I mean, the season one cliffhanger is the best of both worlds compared to the season two cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I mean, they didn't do cliffhangers, so to speak, for first and second season. They they just uh, they just had you know uh, they just ended it. But uh, man, well, I mean, you know, in second season's defense, it was you know it came out of that right. There was a writer strike that year, so okay. there were fewer episodes. And I think they I think that was the year they had at least one episode that they took from you know one of the old Star Trek V two scripts. You know that never got that never got filmed, obviously, and they repurposed it for Next Generation. I mean, it was a it was a tough year for those guys, and there was a Star Trek movie in development at the same time. I mean, it was it was a it was a tough year for those guys. Yeah, and, and, I, and I heard rumors that uh, once it hits season three, the series starts picking up. So that's yeah, I would absolutely say that. You're I would dead. say that's very much true. They they yeah. I mean, they, uh, Michael Pillar came in and he had some different ideas on what to do with the storytelling. Um, um, yeah, I, I, it definitely finds its feet in the third season. Well, yeah. Although, I, I, I thought they look forward to that. Well, season yeah, two, I, we did get the Borg, though. That's yeah, that's, but it's you know, but and, and and they kick it up a notch in season three. So I mean, it's it, I think three and four are are pretty pretty strong seasons overall for next yeah. gen. But but basically, you've you've eaten your cold tomato soup and your beet salad, and now you're going to get a chance to eat something really good. All right, well, good. I'm glad well, to hear well, but first, you got to finish that cold soup. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the last <laughs> one bite. more spoonful, just one more spoonful, oh. with a soggy rice cake to stop it I, off. I, I, picture, I picture when you're saying that the uh, the Monty Python skit where he goes, "Just one more mint." Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck all Right. <laughs> but you know, but there is there is a couple things about season two that I do remember liking, and even though the fans were not terribly uh, uh, welcoming or appreciative of uh, um, Diana Moldar. I liked Dr. Pulaski. I thought that well, she I brought mean, interesting kind of uh, very much a, a TOS sensibility to the next gen crew. Well, right. season two, season two's got one of my favorite next gen episodes in it. That's uh, the, the, the one where data gets put on trial measure of a man. Measure of a man. Oh, that's that was an excellent episode. That's, that's that's one of my favorite next gen series or episodes. Period, and uh, you know, it came in season two. That season, even season one has one or two that are really that you know that rise above the the rest. I mean, season one was pretty much finding its feet, and season two it was it was still trying to do that a little bit. But uh, I thought I thought for sure you're going to say up the long ladder, um, but uh, I guess that no. That's uh, that's uh, that's uh, Bill Eisner's favorite. That's episode. Bill's favorite episode. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, which which is of course we're joking about this because uh, actually Bill um, incorporated elements of that episode as I, I mean, it really wasn't a direct sequel, was it? I mean, that he wrote. Uh, I have 
yeah, no, it was a sequel. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, you know, he takes a lot of grief for that. Oh, yeah. So. But, uh, but Bill's a good storyteller, so, uh, so he, he made the yeah. unpalatable palatable. But the, uh, it's no different from when the, the, the middle third of our, uh, ebook for SCE Foundations is, uh, a sequel to the original series episode, Return of the Archons, which I like a great deal more than Dayton likes. <laughs> Which is to say, I really didn't like it at all. <laughs> right, 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 right. I like it. I still, it just, it makes me laugh, and uh, and I think, I just think it's kind of cool. So uh, it's not I, that I don't like it, but it's it's not on the list of ones that I'll spin up just because I feel like watching some Star Trek. You know, it's not it's not that it's not on that list. So yeah. right. So and that's true. Well, you know, that's, but so well, if I mean, if you want, when I mean, because people ask us. If, oh, you love Star Trek. You must watch it all the time. And you know, we really don't because it's more or less for work. But there are – majority of the episodes would be from uh, um, from original series. But there are a handful of episodes that I will dust off and rewatch just for fun. I mean Doomsday Machine is absolutely one of them. Tholian Web is one of them for me. I'm um, trying to think if, uh, if Return of the Archons is on my list of uh, uh, targets for – um, for, for Scott and Miles' benefit, I've been doing this thing on my blog at irregular intervals where I, I pick a rep episode at random of the original series and then I live blog it. And so, and I basically, it's, it's basically my excuse to, to, to make, you know, either poke fun at certain things or remember things that I had forgotten about the episode because in some of these cases, it's episodes I have not watched in their entirety in, you know, 15 or 20 years, if at all, because I, I let it be a random selection. So I just wouldn't stick with the ones I like. And so I've been getting hit with, you know, some really bad ones, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and the, and the children shall lead, you know, is, is the one I absolutely loathe out of the original series. And of course that bad boy showed up. <laughs> and if, I mean, and if, and if, you know, if it pops up, I review it. I don't, I don't like spin the wheel again and look for a different, better one. You know, right. I take it, I take it on the chin and, and, uh, and watch it. But I, I mean, I've, I'm in the midst of a third season deal because I finally decided I, I was curious to see what the list would look like. So I, I let the, the Excel macro spit out the whole list for the year, you know, cause my intent was to do one a week, but I've fallen behind with, while I'm working on other stuff. But right. I mean, I just did, a, I did, a, I did, and, and the children shall lead. I did for the, you know, the, for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. I've got the <laughs> weight eating waiting on me. That's Yay, brother. I'm, I'm getting smacked left and right <laughs> with a bunch of bad ones right in a row. Wow. And it's like, oh, hey, look, a good one, you know. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's when he's happy that Spectre the Gun shows up, you know, there's a problem. Right, exactly. right, yeah. right. I'm like, oh, look, cat's paw. Thank God. <laughs> oh man. Well, Miles, you have one more piece of Star Trek news, and then we'll uh, have to kind of wrap this up a little bit. So, why don't you give us our last piece of Star Trek news, and then we'll. Uh, Wrap up the show here, at least. Uh, okay, just a little of bit of uh, news about the upcoming movie. Um, this is first reported on um, on TrekMovie.com. Um, producer Brian Burke talks uh, schedule and bigger scope of Star Trek sequel on the Star Trek movie. And just a couple uh, excerpts from that interview. Uh, Brian Burke is a longtime collaborator with J.J. Uh, Abrams and is producing partner for pretty much everything going down at Abrams' uh, Bad Robot production company. Although uh, we don't often hear from Burke... Uh, is the fifth uh, member of, of Trek's uh, new Supreme Court, along with J.J. Abrams, uh, Damon uh, L- Lindelof, uh, Roberto uh, Orsi, and Alex Kurtzman. 
uh, Trek movie recently spoke with the producer about his plans and hopes for the uh, Trek sequel. Uh, you have to deliver a movie to Paramount by uh, June uh, 2012. So when do you expect to start shooting? Uh, Burke says we'll be shooting it th- this time next year, starting early summer or late spring. Uh, so Trek Movie asks, that puts the pre-production starting around December this year or uh, January 2011. And Burke said, uh, I would like to, sh- I would like to shoot for that. And we'll see. Uh, the whole interview is on uh, TrekMovie.com. All right. So, uh, what do you guys think of this as far as the timetable goes? <laughs> It's going to be a long two years. Yeah, it, it will. As, as, as we get TrekMovie.com stories about every rumor and half-baked notion and 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 something somebody said about what where the script is. I mean, it's just God, It's going to be it's going to be a long couple of years. Right. Well, I think so. part of that shows us so that people are really looking forward to it and they're just hungry for any bit of information they get on that movie. You know. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, but I mean, it, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, the, they were really good about keeping everything under wraps, you know, throughout the the development and production of the of the first movie. And I don't know if the fans will be as forgiving <laughs> this time around because it's you know they're going to want to know what's going on. You know, uh, right. they're going to want to they're going to want to see behind the scenes shots. They're going to want to see sneak peeks. I mean, that's. And I don't, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't want to give it all away. I wouldn't want to give it all away if I was in their shoes either. I mean, but there's got to be a way to, in, to to engage that fan interest and yet still, you know, have some surprises for opening day. Because, I mean, I, I get not wanting to to spoil the fun of of going to the movie and seeing what happened. And even despite everything we saw about what was coming for the first movie, I was still blown away by everything that he managed to cram into that movie. I mean, I, I had purposely avoided seeing a lot of this, like the trailers and the spoilers and the and the little clips on Entertainment Tonight and things like that. I, I purposely stayed away because I wanted to go and get blown away at the theater. So, but I mean, that's me. I mean, but you, I mean, TrekMovie.com and these other websites that track this stuff day to day. I mean, their their little fan bases are rabid. <laughs> they, right, right. they want they want info. They you know they're not going to put up with. Well, we're hammering out the script. You know, and they've been I mean because they've been saying that now for a year. Oh, I know. You know, every every time an interview comes up, somebody says something different about where the script is. It's like, well, at the at the very least, he's going to gather everybody around and give them one cover story. You know, so that we don't get all these different versions of what's going on. Right. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be fun as long as they don't do. The con- I, I, and if, see, here's the thing: if it was me, I'd be spoiled. I'd be throwing out all those con rumors just to stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> we're well, gonna make con. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna make con, and we're gonna make him a woman. You know? <laughs> I, that's what I do just to piss people off for a year. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that'd and be Shatner's awesome. playing them. And Shatner, <laughs> and as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> So we got Con I mean, Musical heard, headed to Kansas City, so uh, I've heard the rumors about you know they're going to redo Con, and I just I can't buy it, not for no, one second. I, I buy it. I thought there was something out there that said that they didn't, but hey, it's all rumor, right? That they aren't going to do Con, but they're not. I, I can't see them. I cannot see them doing that. I, mean, I, I, I just, all I, the effort they took to reboot this thing and and, and energize it and do and a new storyline. They're, they're not going to go back and retread another movie. That's just. I mean, if they do that, I will I will be very disappointed. Yeah. Not that I won't go to the movie. I mean, I'll go. I'm not going to be one of these guys that says I'm not going, and then I go anyway. Um, I don't so think I, Aver, I, don't think, I don't think Aver I hate it, but I'm going to go so I can gripe about it on the internet. Right, right. <laughs> so I'll take a live blog about it later on. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate that show, but I never I watch it every week. So, um, <laughs> right. but, oh man! Yeah, but if it was me though, I'd be throwing out rumors like that for a year just to keep people spinning. <laughs> Well, well, uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us tonight. When are you going to be arriving at Shore Leave? Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question because I was going to ask, I was going to ask Dayton to send us our, my itinerary. So, like, I don't know what time I'm picking him up on Friday. I think we fly um, to Baltimore at like one thirty or something. At, at yeah, that's, I, I think that's and, what. That's, that's um, right. I figure by the time we get everything and get going, we'll probably it'll probably be three at the earliest before we get to the hotel, and then we only got about an hour before Dave Mack cracks the whip and we have to be doing rehearsals for the roast. Okay. I mean, it'll be a whirlwind weekend for us because we're we're actually flying out Sunday this year instead of staying over till Monday. Oh wow! So, so you, guys, I mean, we'll, you guys staying for Truckee Theater or not? No, in fact, we no, got to be at the airport because our flight is like five thirty on Sunday. Who scheduled you know, that? Because we both have to work. I did. No, that's. that's <laughs> Really, that was that was my fault. Um, at the time that uh, that we were making all this place, in fact, my, originally I wasn't even going to go to Shore Leave this year. Um, I've had a couple of things going on with my job that uh, required me to uh, kind of you know kind of play two roles at the same time for the last three months, and so I didn't think I would be going anywhere uh, with uh, Shore Leave. But uh, um, I. I I mean, I don't know. We just, I just changed my mind. I mean, Dayton was talking about how much fun he was going to have and the things he's going to do. I was like, well, I want to go. So, wow. so we just switched it up. All right. Well, I mean, but that's, we, that's the payback. Well, I mean, there was a I time when I, there, there was a time when I wasn't going to go. I decided I wasn't going to go because he wasn't going. And I said, well, I mean, half the, half the fun is the two of us doing our, our, you know, Laurel and Hardy shtick. And, right. Um, since he's going to work, I mean, but Dave Mack, you know, he, he cried into the phone and told me he wanted me to come because, <laughs> you know, because I was, we were going to do the roast, you know, which means he was going to find somebody else, you know, to do the roast, which, you know, I'd said that could have been a good thing. You know, you, you blew that yeah, really. chance. Um, <laughs> now you're stuck with us again. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was sort of a, okay, I'm not coming. And then, all right, we are coming. I mean, I did the same thing with, with San Diego. I had written off Diego this year. Um, I didn't even bother to register as a pro this year, um, thinking I wasn't going to go. And Kevin's going out there because he's he's with Hallmark again. And uh, my wife at one point, what about a month ago? Yeah, Kevin. She goes, you yeah. know, you really should consider going to San Diego. And I said, what? You know, I, you you should have told me this two months ago. Uh, no, you know, when I said I wasn't going, because I, I figured ah, I don't need it. I can save the money. I can I can catch up on some stuff around the house. And, you know, she said, no, you really should go. It'll be a good professional networking opportunity. I'm like, okay. All right. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't have to tell me that shit twice. So yeah, I was gonna right, say, oh, I'm right, gonna right. go book airline before I'm gonna go book tickets before you change your mind. Yeah, yeah so, so, so the so, wife says it. Yeah, I tried to so be the responsible, book- mature adult and not spend all that money on what's essentially a four day vacation in California, you know. But uh, but yeah, yeah, with it. So within like, I mean, gosh, what was it like? Within an hour, I think <laughs> yeah. you went from from I, like a phone call to hey, what happens if I come out to San Diego? Because Mitch yeah. says I'm in. And um, I, I helped him get a pass, and uh, I, you know, got you a hotel room. I mean, so we're yeah. we're totally cool. So I'll, I'll be out there. I'll be out there uh, for what Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I'll fly out Sunday. All right. Well, where can where can people find you again? 
Um, uh, on, the, on the web and, and that sort of thing. Oh, on the web. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> Shore Leave. Like, well, we'll be at Shore Leave. We'll be at Shore Leave. Um, We've been talking about it all night. No. Yeah, we can. Uh, you can uh, track me down uh, at uh, um, on on Twitter uh, under Kevin Dilmore. You can find me on Facebook at Kevin Dilmore's Pop Culture Mayhem, and uh, that's where we just I just you know throw crap around. It's, I need to update that site actually. So, so you're like monkeys flinging poo, right? Exactly. You know what? And I've got about the same intellectual content as well. Okay, great, great, great. Um, and Dayton? I'm at DaytonMoore.com, and from there I've got links to Facebook and Twitter and LiveJournal. And, and everything else you want. Uh, everything else, yeah. It's a it's a right. portal to hell. Right, right. So. Well, we look forward to – I know Miles just dropped off. He's back on now, but I'll bring him back later. I'm not going to bring him back now. But um, we look forward to seeing you guys down at Shore Leave and uh, maybe hanging Thanks. out a little bit. Well, are yeah, you going to come to the roast? Man, well, I, I will. I will. I'm going to try and be at the roast since I didn't go last year. I have no excuse. I don't think year. it's a paid admission. I think you can get in. You just have yeah. to be. You know, it's obviously for it was 18 and up. I think. Right, right, right. Yeah. I plan so. on being at that, and maybe I'll crash you at the bar too. So that sounds great. <laughs> I hear. I hear. I hear. John's going to be there. So John Fraz from Think Geek. Uh, as, uh, yes, he is. Um, in fact, um, that's one of the things I need to talk about um, with uh, with Dayton when we hang up. Is an opportunity to connect with him. So. Right, 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 right. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, look forward to seeing you in a few days. Very cool. Thanks for the invite. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us on. Hey, thanks for chatting, man. That was fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll catch. All right. Bye. Ever feel like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection, Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our little bit of uh, a promo there from the Gamma Quadrant and that you enjoyed our conversation with Dayton and Kevin. They're Dayton. I said your name first. And uh, we really enjoyed having them on to talk just about Star Trek and Shore Leave and some of this stuff. We did not get tonight to the 10 most disappointing female characters in sci-fi TV. So, uh, Kevin, I know I kind of wrestled your arm to give us some feedback for that. We'll play that in the next show, and we'll talk about the 10 most disappointing female characters in sci-fi TV the next time. We're going to end the show by leaving you with a sci-fi five and five. And uh, Wayne and Dan sent theirs in for the season two of Friends. Hey there, this is Wayne Henderson and Metal Dan on Twitter from the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast over at MediaVoiceOvers.com. We got something for the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Dan, break it down for us. Today we have the Sci-Fi Diner Top 5 of 5 from Fringe. From season 2 of Fringe, we have the Top 5 Best of the Worst Ways to Die in season two of Fringe. You know, Wayne, when we uh, watch these Fringe shows and we talk about it, we always talk about the opening segment, how, you know, somebody gets killed and, ooh, what a way to go, right? Yeah, almost every single Fringe opening, with the exception of maybe two episodes in the whole year, somebody dies a gruesome, horrible death. So I don't know if it's the best of the worst ways to die or the worst of the best ways to die. 
<laughs> th- these are not good ways to go of the non-pattern-related uh, uh, episodes. So coming in at number five is episode 17 of season two, Olivia in the Lab with Revolver. This is the one where a man is in a cafe, and uh, he's meeting he's, – he's talking about his uh, lawsuit he's going to be doing. And he meets with the uh, waitress, and they're consoling. They're going back and forth. And they're talking about things. And uh, she puts her hand on his to say everything's going to be okay. A little later, as she drives away from the meeting, she starts to feel ill. After uh, securing medical access from her associate, um, she stops at a traffic light, notice some discoloration, lumps on her wrists. A few seconds later, she falls dead, covered in cancerous lumps, as a good Samaritan attempts to help her. Remember, she died right in the car. It was a bad way to go. Instantaneous cancerous lumps. Not a good way to go. I'll pass on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I would say is the fourth worst way to die in the opening scenes of Fringe season two was uh, Jacksonville season two, episode 15. And this is the one great episode kind of where the worlds are colliding. You know, there's all these earthquakes we're in. Basically, it's kind of like an alternate New York. This man, all of a sudden, after some of these quakes, the tremors get worse. And the next thing you know, this poor man has like an extra leg and two extra arms because the the worlds didn't just pass through each other. This man and his counterpart from the other universe, our universe, become one, basically, with extra arms, legs, and he can't live very long that way. A gruesome death yet again on Fringe. He's sitting on the ground basically with a help me, like how can I have so many arms and so many legs now? This is oh. a problem. Yeah, the universe has collided. It was not a way, good way to go. <laughs> Keep your eye out whenever there's an earthquake. Coming in at number three from season two of Fringe, episode six, Earthling. This is where uh, the guy's at home. He's preparing a surprise dinner for his wife, Natalie, but he hears something. And, and uh, you know, if there's some commotion in the house, but he can't sure see what it is. So he's walking through. He kind of notices a shadowy figure, but... It doesn't seem to make sense at all either. Like, how can that be? The lights kind of flicker. Mm-hmm. Um, things are starting to not be so safe at home anymore. When his wife comes home, he notices that Randy, he, he's, he's, he seems to be okay. She, she, she's, she's calling for him. You know, Randy, are you there? She kind of spins him around in the chair. She touches him. He disintegrates. He's been full of a cloud of ash. He yes. just fell away that was not good yeah cinematically one of my favorite uh fringe deaths ever that was a good opening it didn't look you know as far as the person that died it didn't seem all that uncomfortable for them but for their family and friends who discover them as a cloud of dust or powder that disintegrates uh that's got to really freak them out yeah not a good way the earthling episode excellent episode of fringe uh, number two, as far as one of the worst fringe deaths from season two, Snakehead, which sounds like the name of an excellent heavy metal band. But no, there's uh, a freighter coming aboard um, an area in Boston. I believe it was coming from China and it washes up on the shore and there's bodies everywhere of these, uh, I guess, immigrants that did not make it. But there's a man that survives, Dan, kind of. And he stumbles along, and he knows that he's supposed to go to this certain address. And when he goes there, he's starting to feel really bad. And this guy, you would expect that he's there to help help this poor man, help him to feel better. 
And all of a sudden things are rumbling inside him. And I was immediately brought back to the first alien movie. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is going to burst out of the guy's chest. Get ready to cover your eyes. It's going to be terrible. Uh, but, no, it was in some ways worse because all of a sudden this squid-like parasite comes crawling out of his mouth. And it just basically tears his body apart as it's coming out. And the man that's there, it's kind of like a doctor. Basically, he's not there to help save this poor man at all. He's been waiting for this parasite. He grabs it and uh, stores it away, and he's a happy camper, and everyone else is dead. That was intentional. <laughs> very intentional, very gruesome. I, I This is not a way I would want to go. And number one. Tell me uh, about number one, Dan. What is the worst way to die on Fringe from the opening scenes from season two of Fringe? Episode three of season two, Fracture. Right at the beginning of the season, two uniformed police officers, they pull to a stop in Philadelphia. One hops out across the street to go to the coffee shop. The other, he goes in to, you know, he's going to read his paper and stuff. While his partner is picking up the coffee, uh, Gillespie, that's one of the cops, he receives a, a cell phone call. He answers, yes, Colonel. The caller tells Gillespie to go to a rail station intercept a courier waiting with a, a black trench coat and carrying a black briefcase. Very descriptive. Uh, Gillespie drives away, leaving his partner standing in the middle of the street. At the train station, Gillespie, he sees that man in black, and he orders him to relinquish the briefcase because we think, oh, this guy is trouble. The courier resists, of course. Gillespie draws his weapon. Electronic displays throughout the station begin to flicker. Everything's going chaotic. Gillespie takes the briefcase and walks away. Looks like everything's okay, right? His body begins to crystallize. He screams, and his body explodes. Opening scene. (laughs) <laughs> that's not a good way to go yes and you know the first half of season two of fringe uh was a little choppy compared to the second half where they really got on a roll but this particular episode fracture gave us great glimpses of things to come and you just knew things were not going to go well for uh gillespie and the the other uh cops there at the beginning you think so, it's because of the, the man in black you know he looks like to be the bad person and you think well that's the reason why he's here you know but then he hands off the the briefcase and, oh, everything's kind of going to be okay. Oh, no. <laughs> that crystallization is not good. And one would assume with uh, season three of Fringe coming this September, many more gruesome deaths that may even top these could be coming our way. And we'll get that top five together for you. <laughs> Scott and Miles, thanks for letting us uh, submit this and be a part of your uh, Sci-Fi Diner podcast with your top five at five. The five worst ways to die on fringe in season two in the opening scenes. Uh, we love the sci-fi diner podcast. And if you're interested in checking out our show, any of the listeners, Scott always sends in his fringe quote of the week to our fringe casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, which you can check out at mediavoiceovers.com slash fringe. And we've got a listener voicemail line. We'd love to hear your fringe feedback. Give us a call at area code 904. 904- Four six nine seven four six nine, and Dan, where else can people find us? If you're not at the Sci-Fi Diner, you can see us lost out on the French. Thank you for your attention, and have a nice day. Well, thanks, Wayne and Dan, for giving us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and those are some awesome, terrible ways to die from Fringe Season 2. 
And oh. um, again, if you have not done so, please check out their podcast, Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. You heard the promo earlier. And you heard them talk about it. And uh, I look forward to Fringe starting back up and hearing the content that they're going to be coming out with. And I suppose next year I'll be giving the Fringe Quote of the Week again, Miles. Very good. Hey, and talk about shows that we're contributing. We didn't mention this earlier. This should have been in show news. You contributed to DVD Geeks, right? Yes, I had the pleasure on our last episode to, uh, well, give my thoughts on why um, viewers should uh, get a copy of uh, Season 1 of uh, Warehouse 13. Um, Mary, uh, the Televixen, asked me to just uh, maybe take about a minute and just uh, give my reasons why uh, they should get Season 1 of Warehouse 13 and um, um, why they should watch it. So, yeah, it was, it was great. Right, right. And so, um, and obviously we're all for Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. So, um, I believe that's about it, Miles. Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap the show? Where can they uh, find you, Miles? Uh, I am Son of Worf at uh, Twitter, and I'm also on Trek Space. I'm Son of Worf at Trek Space also. Okay. And, uh, and you can find me on Twitter as the Sci-Fi Diner or as Hertzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, you can find me, uh, I guess, at the website, SciFiDinerPodcast.com, and also on Facebook at Scott Herzog. If you want to join my personal uh, Facebook page, you, can, you may do that if you want. Um, and uh, you can obviously find us at Shore Leave this weekend. We know we've given you two episodes now. We're kind of really focused on Shore Leave. Um, next week, we're going to start bringing you the content. We'll obviously be reflecting on the con, but... Uh, just bear with us. We'll be out of uh, shore leave here in a little bit, and uh, and it'll be gone for another year. But we're excited about this con, and so we talk about it a little bit, and hopefully it wasn't too concentric. I think we got some good material from Dayton and Kevin to kind of share with you guys as well. Don't you think, Miles? It's always a great show with uh, Dayton and Kevin. Yeah, and never a word in edgewise, practically. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you guys are going to miss this, but we had a good half an hour conversation post the show that we were going to uh, – that we actually uh, had the interview that we had with them. So don't know if we'll ever bring that. I did record it, but I don't know if I'll ever bring that. I'm going to use it as evidence against them. <laughs> but anyways, um, uh, please call us, 188-508-4343. Call us, the listener line. Let us know what you're watching, what you like, what what you don't like. Um, email us at the sci-fi donor podcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. We're going to have new trivia for you next week. Remember, Chase Masterson will be with us next week. We look forward to bringing you that interview. Um, I have two other interviews that we're working on. Um, the guys from the Leviathan Chronicle, we're working on getting them back on, as well as uh, from the uh, from the fan film, the solo fan film, are the the webisodes that are out. So we're gonna have we have a lot of good content. Not to mention what we're gonna be bringing you from Shore Leave. So a lot of good stuff coming up, Miles. But Miles, why don't you sure. take us out? Well, till uh, next time. Good night and good luck. Oh, and by the way, at Shore Leave, if you're gonna be there. Let us know. We want to meet you. We'll see you. Please do. We'll see ya.